Bonjour mes beautés, hello my beauties, and bienvenue, welcome to the Paris Lessons. In this episode, I want to talk about the way in which privacy is valued differently in French culture, contrasted to uh, Anglo-Saxon culture, specifically American culture. And when I when I say privacy, I mean la vie privée, so private life, right? Personal life. But I also mean just sort of personal space and really our own interior life, right? Or our jardin secret, as we would call it in French, our secret garden. And I think it's it's an interesting thing to talk about right now because vulnerability is such a hot topic in American personal development and um And I understand exactly why people are so thirsty for this sort of permission to make themselves vulnerable to others, to, you know, or to their community. And also, um, you know, why this can be a very empowering or relief giving idea for many people living in, in Anglo-Saxon, again, specifically American culture. I always say specifically American culture because I'm definitely a person who's very sensitive to how highly nuanced culture is. And I have not lived in Australia. I have never lived in the United Kingdom. Um, I have not lived in Canada, um, although I have traveled um, in those two last places quite a bit, I would not, I would never assume that I really understand the nuances of those cultures either. So that's why I say specifically American culture. But hopefully, if you're Australian, or you're Irish, or you're Scottish, or you're Canadian, or you're, or you're, or you're English, then you'll relate to these two. So, um, however, I, I do feel that, you know, at some point, years from now, there will be a sort of, um, a reining in a bit of this notion of, of vulnerability because you don't, you're not obligated to be vulnerable. So living in French culture has taught me that, um, you know, having my jardin secret, having my secret garden does not mean I'm secretive. doesn't mean I'm a bad person. That wanting to maintain distance from certain people doesn't mean I'm cold it means that I'm following my my désir. And one of the things I didn't say in last week's episode is, is for me, often désir or desires or wishes, you know, last week we talked about the power of knowing what we want, right? For me, that's often synonymous with our intuition. And what I talked about last week were, were you know, ways to really get in touch with what you want. You can use those same ways to get in touch with your intuition. If life is really loud around you, if you're really loud in your mind around your soul, of course you're you're going to feel you're going to feel very out of touch with what you want. That's why I said last week to the people who are listening, if you're hearing me talk about the importance of what knowing what you want and you're thinking, but I don't know what I want, don't be sad, don't feel alienated. That's actually very, very normal, and I went through that. So this lesson now about, about privacy and the value about pri- of privacy and how actually really honoring your, your private life, whether, whether by private life it means your personal life or that interior world, that this lesson on how valuing that, honoring that can be so empowering and the beautiful 
beautiful effect of that is that's really how you feel in touch with yourself. And, and you know, we never really know who we are. You can sort of hear my philosophy background seeping in there, this sort of notion that there really are no answers, but there are wonderful explorations of very important questions. However, when we're more in communication with ourselves, that's when we feel like we know who we are. But most importantly, that's when we feel like we our being. We are being ourselves. So one of the things that happened to me when, um, this is both, you know, uh, these, this, so this, what I'm about to share is a byproduct, both of moving to France, so living in a culture where privacy is highly valued, but also, you know, being in the early stages of being an entre- entrepreneur and also being, you know, just being someone who was raised in American culture, I, 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 I realized that I had this notion that if I didn't share something, it almost was like it, it wasn't real. Sort of like how we joke today about if it doesn't, if you don't post it on Instagram, it's like it never happened. By the way, what I'm about, everything I'm about to share in this week's episode is highly applicable to, to social media. And you can imagine as someone who relies heavily on social media for work that I have many ideas about, about social media as tied to, uh, our personal life. So if it's, is it real if I don't share it? So this in my case was specifically, um, related to, you know, aspects of French is beautiful as I was growing them, or even French is beautiful. And it's very, very nascent stages, you know, sharing with people, my excitement about this new project that I was creating. However, you know, I did realize at a certain point as I gained more confidence as an entrepreneur that maybe I was sharing things prematurely because sharing made things seem more real, but also sharing helped me to feel more validated as an entrepreneur, especially in, you know, the entrepreneurial circles that I was frequenting as I was trying to learn, you know, the most that I could about marketing and business so I would encourage you to be mindful when you're, when, you're, when you're sharing. You know, one of the things that they do not do in French culture is the overshare. So what do I mean by the overshare? It's having a very clear idea of who you have an intimate emotional relationship with, of who's able to, to carry whatever you're sharing, especially if it's something that's very personal and very charged with emotion. Um, because in French culture, we don't want to overshare because we don't want to like gêner. Gêner is this wonderful verb that sort of means to like bother, but it's really, I I will, I argue that it's not translatable. You'll find many translations for it online, sort of like flâner, but it's, it's, it's very negative. It's not just to bother someone. It's more than that. It's like to bother, to make them feel uncomfortable, to embarrass them. French people tend to be very embarrassed if you do an overshare because they're just, they feel like they've been in, they feel like they're seeing you. They feel like they've walked in on you and you, and by accident and you're naked. It's that same sort of feeling. Now, of course, as with everything that I share, I'm never suggesting that one way of doing things is right or wrong. You know, there are many ways in which I have felt that it would really be helpful for French people to to make themselves a little bit more available to vulnerability. However, as an American, specifically as a Californian, who's very open, I was able to get some great lessons about respecting my own privacy from living in French culture. 
So I encourage you to ask yourself when when you're sharing with someone, you know, is this someone obviously that you can trust, but also is this someone that's really capable of carrying the story that you're about to tell them? Are you about to share this information, be it a new project or, you know, be it something that's really charged for you emotionally because you're feeling insecure about it and you need validation, right? Are you sharing things prematurely? Are you sharing things before you've processed them? Because that's actually very risky if we're, especially if we're doing this consistently, if we're sharing things before we've really processed them and made up our minds, so to speak, what our story is around them, then we're opening our, it's almost like taking a bandaid off prematurely. We're opening ourselves up to the possibility of, of really draining our life force, which is, which is unfortunate because it comes down to a sign of, of not trusting ourselves, not trusting time, right? That time will carry us, that time will, will heal us, that time will reveal a clearer understanding of a situation or an experience or an exciting you know, spark for a new project to us. Another way in which this sort of this notion of privacy being valued, right, instead of, you know, trying to be diminished in French culture is the very act of calling someone tu versus vous. So this is something that's very complicated for Anglophones to learn, and it's highly nuanced. If you were in my August membership and you just heard the Q&A audio for that, remember in response to that listener's, to that member's question about, you know, what to do at a French dinner party, you know, you know, in which order, you know, what to do if there's finger food out, do you know, all these sorts of things that come down to French manners, because no matter if you have excellent American manners, that take, you know, it doesn't mean that you necessarily have excellent French manners, right? These are these cultural lenses that change everything. So it can be challenging for Anglophiles, Anglophones, to understand when to call someone tu versus when to call someone a vous, not because the conjugations that correspond to those two words are complicated, but because in Anglo-Saxon culture, we really want to be, we want people to be our friends. It's such a beautiful, positive thing that we have. We want, you know, we assume that someone's going to be our next best friend. We assume that we're going to get to know someone really well. We assume that everything's going to go really smoothly and quickly in this getting to knowing of the person. So our MO when we're learning French is sort of, we have in the back of our mind, this idea like, oh, well, eventually I'll call everyone to no. And actually, the really magical thing is if you take your French journey really far, and if you start spending a lot of time in French-speaking culture, you will have a breakthrough where actually there are people you never want to call to, whether this is out of respect and love, right? This might be an, an older person in your life that you have so much respect for that you always want to call them vous. Or this might be out of just you wanting to really maintain your private space in certain public situations, right? It it helps things to stay a bit lighter, you know, always calling, you know, for example, your your boulanger or your boulanger always calling you vous, even though you go to the same bakery all the time, right? Or you calling everyone at your gym vous and them calling you vous because, you know, even though you go there all the time, it's like you're not having dinner at each other's homes. And I've said in my in my courses, you know, a French friend, 
is a friend for life. People say sometimes that French people are very hard to become, to make friends with, but that's not true. They just take their time and their concept is French of friendship is really based on shared experiences. And these are intimate experiences like shared meals or an apéro, have, you know, a cocktail hour at their home versus just talk and sharing information. And I'm sharing this with you because it might just give you some interesting food for thought around the vulnerability conversation, just to ensure that you are making yourself vulnerable and sharing parts of your private life and your private experience in ways that truly do empower you and not in ways that you are um, embarking upon subconsciously to have more trust or more confidence in yourself. Another really interesting thing, and I think this is also why the the idea of vulnerability is so popular in American culture right now, is because in American culture, we talk a lot about setting boundaries with people, right? Which is so aggressive. It sounds so aggressive. It didn't sound aggressive to me until I moved to France, but it sounds, I mean, we don't have a, we don't have a term for this in French. We could talk about, you know, having like limit, limits, but we don't talk about this sort of thing when it comes to psychology and interpersonal relations um, in French. You know, you like, Établir les frontières, créer des frontières, like that, like literally to create boundaries in French. It sounds political. It sounds really, really aggressive. And but this is very much part of American cu culture. So I can understand why vulnerability then is such a such a beautiful relief, right? This idea that I don't need to have boundaries. So I'm going to give you a tool. This is from my Being Yourself course, which I just made available in self study form on the, on the site. Instead of setting boundaries, I encourage you to picture an inner cocoon. Because what happens when we're when we're feeling like we need to set boundaries with a person, the issue with that is that that usually comes down to some attempt to either control that person's behavior or control our reaction to that person. And I believe that if we focus more on our interior experience, right, our inner world, our private inner world, right, envision it as this beautiful, invisible inner cocoon, then that's going to do all the boundary setting for you that you need. If you're feeling sort of, you know, depleted and you're feeling like, you know, you really want to be vulnerable and you really want to connect with people and you really want to share, but you also want to set boundaries, likely what's happening is you've maybe overshared a bit or maybe shared with the wrong people. So these feelings of depletion and feeling defensive are coming up for you. And if you just really focus on creating, taking care of, nourishing that inner world that is going to take care of a lot of this for you and this is this is i've taken that's a page i've taken out of the book of the amazing french women that i've had in my life since well before even moving to france but specifically since living here one of the things that i like to say to my students in my l'art de vivre series courses is to always remember that you know we're really about taking care of and cultivating that interior world. And that's what's going to give you that je ne sais quoi. Je ne sais quoi means I don't know what in French, right? It means that intangible, inexplicable something, and it lives. Your je ne sais quoi lives in your jardin secret. And il est précieux, and it's precious. 
And the more you focus on that inner cocoon, the more that you're going to feel in communication with yourself, the more that you're going to feel like you're being yourself. And the more that the more this je ne sais quoi is going to start to kind of come through in your essence to other people. And that's really special because then you're going to really, really find yourself with more like-minded souls in your in your personal life, in your work, in your loisirs, in your leisure activities. So what I would really love to do to to close this out is to remind you of of one thing that that we can't create intimacy with other people if we don't have intimacy with ourselves, right? So we need to have a, a place to have that sort of intimacy. So that is your inner cocoon that I'm talking about. And I want to read you something from French Wellbeing that that I think that you'll find helpful and I hope that you find very soothing. If you have felt that you have unbecome, in quotes, yourself, or if you are searching to be more of yourself in everyday life, the French approach to privacy will certainly help you to reconnect with your inner self and to stop giving her away before you have the chance to know her. In short, having a secret garden is a good thing. It does not make you selfish, secretive, or less authentic. And I'd like to add to that, it does not preclude you from connecting to other people, right? It won't get in your way of connecting with people and having intimate relationships. So again, that was from being yourself. And I just want to repeat that one line, the importance of reconnecting with your inner self and, and, and stopping this um, giving away of her before you have the chance to know her, before you have the chance to know her. And this ties really well into self-care. So I hope that you find that helpful and soothing. Merci d'être là. Thank you for being here. Je vous souhaite une très belle journée. I wish you a very beautiful day.